0: is the number one way to level up for anyone, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like you have to face your fears in, 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 in whatever you're doing in the world. It doesn't necessarily mean like go, if you're scared of spiders or something, but like <laughs> if, you know, public speaking, things that are holding you back from becoming your true self. And um, I did really good after those first three mm-hmm. years of doing that in the Marine Corps and jumping into, jumping off the cliff and jumping. Uh, there was one time they're like, are you ready to do, take this billet? And I, in my head was like, oh no, hell no. But I said, "Yep." the words out of my mouth were yes because it was like, you take it and you figure it out. And so I just kept doing that. And I, I received huge confidence over time, but there was a lot of hurdles in the way. Um, and it took a long time for me yeah. to get those wins. And I had to overcome a lot of little interesting stories and, but so much self doubt. Uh, and to finally get to a point where like you prove to yourself that you belong in the Marine Corps and you're, mm-hmm. you're operating at a high level and you're, you're achieving success and you're doing it in a hardcore fashion it took a, a while, but when I got there, it felt like I was on the top of a mountain.
1: How are you doing? Antonio? Good, Jesse,
0: Josh. I'm honored to be on the uh, podcast. I'm excited to talk with you guys, chop it up. Jesse's repping our brand, which I always appreciate, and Jesse kills it at Black Ops. So, <laughs> yeah, my name's Antonio Diascanis. I'm a, just turned 40. I'm a father of uh, three children. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a four-year-old. Married to my wife Kelly Diascanis. Um, we are believers, as I, I know you guys are as well. We're faith-based, and uh, you know we try to always start everything with god you know what i mean so like hopefully today i can bring you value your audience value bring you guys some value um and uh you know use the talents i've been given to uh to help somebody out there do you mind
1: just starting sharing a little bit about your origin story talking about hey what did it look like before the marines and then that progression to the marines and then what did it look like afterwards like the whole path the whole yeah
0: so i haven't done my tell-all yet i'm not ready to do my tell-all yet but um I'm the youngest of six, so there's a complex that comes with that. you know. <laughs> I'm actually from a huge Italian family, and I'm, I just figured out that I'm the youngest cousin in the entire family. Oh, man. So not only am I the youngest child, I'm also the youngest cousin in the family. So no one in my family really listens to me or takes me serious, uh, but they do, you know. it just doesn't feel like they do. Mm-hmm. So I'm 40, and I still deal with that in my head. I'm like, Shh, I feel like I'm a little kid around these guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so being the youngest of six, uh, me and my sister were kind of, there was a big gap between my sister and I and my other siblings. So, you know, they kind of went through life uh, and were grown up when we were growing up. So they were in college and stuff while we were in grade school. Um, And they all kind of set the path, basically. Uh, Everyone went the traditional path, uh, all college graduates. Um, and so for me, looking up to that, I'm like, okay, that's the path I got to go. I got to make it in college. Um, once I did good in grade school, I wasn't at the most challenging academic grade school. That wasn't our fault. That was just the way the teachers were and the whatever, the, um, the courses or whatever. Uh, the knowledge wasn't passed. So we weren't really leveled up and prepared for the higher level high schools. Um, so I just kind of went through grade school, enjoyed the co-ed vibe. Um, but my brothers all went to an all boys high school. Uh, one of the prestigious schools in the area, it's Slesianum. So I was like, okay, obviously that's where I want to go. And I tried a couple different high schools, you know, um, doing the open houses and Slazianum blew me away. Mm-hmm. So then I went to Slazianum and I kind of just had a different experience. You know, I like, I didn't like the all boy factor. I really enjoy the co-ed. I'm not like a woman hunter or anything, but I, <laughs> I, I like the vibe of having girls around, you know? Um, And it was kind of like a boys club and it just kind of, I don't know, I come from Newcastle, Delaware and I, I had some rough, you know, uh, experiences growing there you know like when i was 13 or 14 it's um three guys held me up at gunpoint like uh, 50 yards gosh. from my house Jeez. told me to strip i didn't strip so then they hit me in the face with the pistol just missed my eye but my mom was proud i didn't strip for him she was like that's right so <laughs> that's kind <laughs> yes. of the upbringing i was brought up in wow. um but i guess that's kind of what created that chip on my shoulder you know and then i went to salaziano I and mean, i just didn't really enjoy it and i was kind of just coasting and i always have this story i was sitting in one of the classes and i just kind of like looked to the left at like one of those radiators and i was just like I don't care about any of this. Like, it's it's a a stupid story, but it's basically (laughs) like, I believe that might have been the moment when like my entrepreneurial brain was clicking in to like, this isn't me. And I don't really care about any of this. And so it was kind of like a boredom And just kind of like, I'm like like marching in quicksand. What am I doing here? And so that was kind of the mentality. And I was hanging out with some bad influences and there was some bad partying going on and stuff like that. I made some mistakes and I had a really bad influence that I became really close friends with. And he made me do some stupid stuff. And so I just basically became a follower and I wasn't raised to be a follower. I was raised to be like a knight. My mom made me read these awesome books about how to be a man. And I kind of veered from that. I always had that ingrained in me. That's my heart. But I was following people uh that were pulling me away from that i still knew who i was inside Mm -hmm. but i wasn't acting on it i wasn't living that i was following the wrong crowd and i was trying to fit in um and i was never purposely hurting other people but i was doing stupid things and i got in trouble uh so i got in trouble and i haven't really shared this with too many people but i had to leave school uh Uh, we mutually agreed to leave school (laughs) at the end of junior year so starting senior year i started up at a whole new high school so no prom no you know any of those big moments um and then i was like man i just screwed up my whole life like i just left the school that all my brothers graduated from i am basically dishonored you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and so there's a lot to that story you know what i mean that but i won't go down that too far but that's i think was starting to giving me messaging you know and and, and it was starting to build this like you don't belong like process in my head and you're you're not wanted you know mm-hmm. and, and you screwed up you know what i mean you let your family down so then i was like all right so i just did whatever I had to do to get through the next school year and like barely graduated. I didn't really care. Um, in military history I had like 101 point average. So I was like, uh, oh, I was always into history. So I tried in that class and I did really well, but the rest of it, I just didn't care. And the school had like really lax security. So you could just like leave. <laughs> so I just started like leaving in the middle of the day. <laughs> so not the best message for the kids out there. But then, um, I got out of the, uh, at a high school and I was like, what am I going to do? You know, like I, I worked at a restaurant and I actually really enjoyed that. I was a bus boy. And I got really good at it. So they fired all the other busboys and I would run both rooms. And, um, it was a cool business because I got to see like, really like I was in a, you ever hear the workflow, like yeah. being in workflow, mm-hmm. I felt that like I was in a workflow, you know what I mean? Like how I ran around the room and I was hitting little details, leaving other details undone Cause I had a system in place. Yeah. And, um, I really enjoyed the chaos of the kitchen the pirate ship in the back you know mm-hmm. they were all crazy and like you know smoking cigarettes and doing drugs all kinds of <laughs> so it was just like a fun experience it was just nuts and then it was um kind of a wealthier restaurant mm-hmm. in old Newcastle and they had like but there was like old timey theme so like even the way we dressed was old timey And, um, so just eccentric people were there. So you got to meet these like eccentric people. Like one guy always wanted candles and he, we would clear everything else off and he'd always have newspapers out and he'd always tip me $2 bills. So just like a total eccentric, strange person, you know what I mean? (laughs) But like, so there's really cool stories like that. The guy at the head of that, the head manager, he, his name was Dave and he was just awesome. He was like super high energy and, um he liked guys. So like, he was like, he would flirt with me and stuff like that, which was kind of like, ah, it's not me. But, um, it was, he was cool. And he never, he was so funny that like, he could get away with things that other people wouldn't. And it was just like, cool. But he was just such a cool energy to, to learn from and to watch how he moved. He didn't own it. He was like their head guy and he ran the show and he was like an entrepreneur. Like, that's where I saw that entrepreneurial spirit of just like, um, presentation and like how we carried ourselves how hard we worked and that hustle. And so that was just an interesting side chapter, right? So I only did that a couple months right outside of high school and I'm like I screwed up my life. What am I going to do? And you know, to be honest with you, I was caught up in drugs and it was still it was getting worse and it was all around me in Newcastle and so wow. um I got a business reply card in my parents' mailbox. I think I was in summer of um uh, I was 18 and it was from the Marines and I didn't know anything about the Marine Corps. I didn't know any Marines. I just knew it was hard. And I was like, okay, I can do this to change my life. I can get my honor back. And so I just filled it out, put it in the mailbox, didn't tell my parents, and then the recruiters came after me. And that was a whole process because then I got cold feet and I'm like, I don't want to do this. And so that was just a hard (laughs) process from the summer to January when I actually went to boot camp. So in January, like right first or second or third of 2001, like the very beginning of the year, I went to boot camp at Paris Island in the cold. So it's like out in the swamps of South Carolina. It's freezing and it was just a, cr- a crazy experience and too long for today's podcast to go too deep into that. But um, so it was culture shock for sure like when I went there because I was raised with faith and yeah, I made mistakes but I was always a good person, always treated others with, with kindness and respect. And then I got to this crazy like doggy dog world. That was like kind of savage. And I was like, okay, I got to learn this. I got to figure this out. Where's my place. And I was kind of quiet in boot camp and it wasn't until the end that I started to like pull out of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then it was like too late. It was like time to leave. <laughs> and so I told my mom when they came to the graduation, I'm like, I don't want to leave. You know, and I was like, I'm just, she always tells me that she says, you learned how not to take things personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a very deep thinker to a degree. I'm not an intellectual, but I'm like, I think pretty deep. Um, I don't always put it out in words, but there's stuff mm-hmm. going on. Uh, so, yeah, so it was just like <clears throat> um, the, the idea of having that regimen is when I'm at my best. So it was like something to like click onto, like, oh, may, maybe later on in life, you got to like hone into that regimen and structure uh, and schedule because it worked really well for you. You felt, again, like you were in a flow. Yeah. So anyway, I left boot camp. and. Um, did some different things in the Marine Corps. I flew out to uh, Japan my first year, which was a new experience. I'm on the other side of the planet, basically, as an 18, 19-year-old. September 11th happened while we were out there. It was at nighttime over there. So we saw – it didn't make any sense to us when we heard about it. We heard about a plane hitting, and we're like, what, what kind of plane? Like one of those like, uh, old-timey little – like some farmer went the wrong way or something? How did that happen in New York? And then we saw the second one hit live, and we were in the Marine barracks, and like, we were like, we're going to war. What we didn't see was what you guys were seeing here. Uh, if you were if you were local in, if you were in America <laughs> it when it happened, alive. yeah. But um, I wasn't until the, f- the following year that I saw this. You know, some of the horrible things, and like then it was like a whole emotional toll. I cried, um, but I didn't see that in Japan, so we didn't know what was really happening. You know, um, so yeah, I did a year in Japan, then I went to headquarters Marine Corps in Virginia, and uh, luckily the job I was supposed to do was full. And in the back, there was this old infantry master sergeant, which master sergeant's a really high rank in the Mm -hmm. Marine Corps, like an old salt, you know? And he had a slot open to take me in, and he was in the operations office. And because of that act of God, uh, that place being full, you know what I mean? I was able to go and do all these awesome things and have awesome opportunities, and that's kind of where I changed my career. And so I was there for about three years. They needed a martial arts instructor, so I volunteered for that. So I went to Quantico where they – there's a Quantico base for the Marine Corps where they train – The FBI is close by and stuff, and so I got a martial arts instruction uh, there, came back to be the trainer for the battalion, Um, and then they needed a color sergeant, which is the drill team you see at, like, the football games and stuff like that, which, by the way, a lot of those teams aren't that good. (laughs) I got good at it, so I was good at that, and uh, so I took that on. I volunteered for that, and I got that. Um, then there was a leadership course that I was able to, to participate in and be an instructor in as I got promoted. Then they sent me to do like the NFL kickoff ceremony to be one of the announcers to like announce the whole start of the NFL, uh, season, um, for this huge concert, like Britney Spears and all them. And I'm up there like in my dress blues. So that was an interesting moment. And then, uh, yeah. And then I worked for a guy there who was like my role model. He was a mentor and he was an infantry guy. He came into the, to the team later. And um, he's just one of those really cool people that was super intelligent, but also like hard, hardcore and um, carried himself really, his big thing was always look it up. Like if you asked him a question, he was like, go look it up. You know what I mean? That was his, like, messaging. And um, I learned a lot from him. And he was a drill instructor, a former drill instructor. And I heard through the grapevine that he had told someone he wanted me to be a drill instructor. And I was like, a drill instructor? Like, that's crazy. Like, I would never – I'm not that type of personality. I'm quiet. I'm Catholic. I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not screaming. I'm not trying to hurt people. I'm not, I, I don't know. That's just not me. But I was, there was something there. And I was coming up on my, the end of my first reenlistment. And they have, like, incentives, which you can get, like, money to re-sign up so for some weird reason i chose for my incentive to go out to like one of the most difficult schools to do one of the most difficult jobs in the marine corps mm-hmm. out in california which was being a drill instructor so then uh, i went out there and that's where like I, I hit my peak so i was really i did really good in um in headquarters marine corps when i was in virginia i was meritoriously promoted to sergeant uh which is a big deal um and there was i, I think i should talk to you about like when i flipped my switch so because I kind of skimmed over that, but, like, I basically took shit for three years. I was just, like, getting screamed at all the time. We were always wrong. Everything I did was wrong, and I was just following that, like, kind of, like... Um not, I don't want to say grunt because grunts are awesome. That's what they call the infantry. But it's like fall in line and like, don't, volu- don't do anything outside of, of the box. You know? So then I was like, I'm just done living like this. I'm going to go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip the switch here and I'm just going to crush and just going to go after all my fears. And so I was really scared to talk in public and I, my hands shake really bad. I have like a nervous thing. Um, and so I was like, I don't care. I'm going to get in front of people and I'm going to start challenging myself, volunteering for stuff. So all those things I told you I did, mm-hmm. I volunteered for and I sought after mm-hmm. and I wasn't good at them. I was scared to be honest with you. And there was times where my hands would be shaking under a projector in front of a class. And I said, look, I prepared for this. I can't control my hands and I don't feel bad anymore about it, you know? And then, uh, it was a big hurdle for me to overcome, you know, and I think everyone has those hurdles and fears. Um, and so that's just part of my story of something I overcame. And then I went out to be a drill instructor and it was just insanity. And like, I don't tell everything. You can't tell everything because there's rules and there's like, yeah. but it was really a wild world at the time. Mm-hmm. It's in, it, it, in different times. It's, it's in different levels. Like I'm sure you heard in the old days, People used to have some crazier things happen in the old days, you know, in all mm-hmm. avenues, but especially military and stuff. But when I went there, it was pretty wild. And like to, to be able to keep up with the other drill instructors and to do your job, you had to be a savage and you had to be crazy. And like you had to, you had to get your job as a disciplinarian when you start, like you have to be like an evil person <laughs> for wow. three months straight. Wow. Like don't sit down in front of them. Don't eat in front of them. Don't sip water in front of them. Okay. Never say anything kind to them. You can't be human. You can't be human. You don't show them, you, you don't show them that you're human. And the point of that is that when they become Marines and when they go out into the fleet or they face really challenging things in life, they remember that image. They remember that example Mm -hmm. and then it it, it motivates them to push forward. And it's a real thing. It's true. It happens, you know? And so like there is a method to the madness and not everyone does it. And I tried to do it hundred percent all in. And it was very difficult because it wasn't my personality over time. As I got better at it, uh, you know, it became my personality, (laughs) you know, so I was like, but I was always a little bit of humor in there, but like, you don't want to, you don't make them laugh. That's weak. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to do that, but, um, there's roles to it. So like when you start, you're a disciplinarian and you have to do your job, but it's Mm -hmm. hard to be a disciplinarian. So some Marines take the easy route and they, they're soft and they're soft with the recruits, but that's not your job. That's not your role. It's hard to be mean for three months to people all day, you know, (laughs) then you move up and you become a teacher. You're still hard, You're still disciplinarian, but you're a teacher. It's called the third hat. So there's the fourth hat who's just complete berserker, comes in, like, tears everything apart, runs out, and people are like, I hate him. Like, there's <laughs> nothing productive about a fourth hat, you know? It's just like a cyclone comes in of destruction <laughs> uh, if you do it right. And then the third hat is the teacher, so we're kind of giving them the, the little secrets here for, for recruits out there. So yeah. hopefully this doesn't screw up any future Marines. But um, And then you go up, and then you're a little nicer, and you're, you're still a teacher. And then the, the, the top dog is the senior who really, his job is really not to do much, but be, take care of the recruits so that they come to him if they have problems. And he protects them from you. You know, So yeah. that's kind of the chain of command. And I mm-hmm. progressed through that. Uh, I was about 24 when I got to the top. Um, I was a senior drill instructor. And I had about three 30-year-old drill instructors under me. So I was wow. 24 with three 30-year-olds under me and I had 90 kids platoons. So it's it was a lot of responsibility um, and a lot of like learning on the fly. And uh, but yeah, at that time I was just like I reached my pinnacle, a peak. I just loved I loved being a drill instructor and like working that hard and and having that, you know, interaction with Marines and future Marines and young men really, you know, um, transforming young men. So there was a lot to take from that. And then uh, one of the platoons at the end, they do like a little picture for their drill instructors. And they, for some reason they wrote me up and they had like a whistle because I was good at getting them physically fit. I was good at getting them in shape. Mm. And I was like, I never really thought that that was something I was good at. I just, it was a problem I had to figure out. And then uh, of course I liked working out and I liked being a runner and stuff like that. So that was kind of an eye-opening experience to me that they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And so the reason I'm telling you guys this story is to kind of show you like little parts of my life, little chapters all built to kind of where I am today. And like, I can take from all of those things. Mm -hmm. So it didn't all happen at once. It took years and years. And then you go back onto something like, Oh, okay. You know? And so maybe that was the beginning of black ops right there. But, uh, I, I got out of the Marine Corps because I wasn't having a family. I wasn't meeting the the mm-hmm. woman I wanted to meet and mm-hmm. it was, I was living in the barracks my entire career, which is crazy. Like, I wouldn't even have my own house and it makes you go crazy because they can like come in at any time and inspect and it's just like, it's just not the lifestyle I wanted to live and so I actually was slated to pick up a staff sergeant, um, which is, E6, which is the next rank up after sergeant. So, and I was still 24. So that's about as fast as you can do it in the Marine Corps. So the point is, I was being successful mm-hmm. in in my growth, but my life wasn't what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted a family. I wanted to raise a family. And so I decided to get out. I stayed out in California. Um, I worked for. A uh, lifestyle company that had uh, stores up up the uh, coast of California, and they had one store in the like where the Chinese theater is in uh, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so I got to see some Hollywood lifestyle. You know, I got to uh, and work again for another entrepreneur who was very vibrant, and he was like the kind of entrepreneur you want to be. Mm-hmm. But he was the way he ran things was totally not cool. And the way he 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 took care of things, he was really good and he was successful. But the team was a mess, and his workers were all young. And it just, I saw a lot of what not to do in Mm -hmm. that. Um, And I don't know how long you guys want me to go with this. I feel like I'm talking too long, but giving you the background story. So that was another way of like learning entrepreneurship. And he was like, all right, well, we're going to, I want you to go out to this concert and you're just going to hand these um, tickets to everyone and you're going to put it all in their cars. And I'm like, I just don't like doing this. Like when I started at the mall, he made me go to all the stores. This got to be illegal. And he's like, go to all the stores and ask them what their financials are. And I'm like brand new with them. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, he's like, if they don't, and he's like, this is your first test. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> who's going to give you that? I'd, I'd kill someone if they came in here to ask me that. And like, you know, but pe- that was like a challenge he gave me, but it was just ridiculous. It was yeah. like, you know, and it was not, it wasn't even moral. Like mm-hmm. these companies shouldn't be giving him his statistics. So needless to say, they're no longer in business. Anyway, he went on to different ventures, which I knew he would. And the business he was creating is out of business. But so that was a mess. And I was like, I got to get out of California. That's I became a, uh, a DJ and I was going to clubs and getting into the underground of nightlife. And I was like, no, 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 I got to go home. You know? <laughs> it's time to go home. So I flew back East. My brother offered me a job at his engineering firm. He's an entrepreneur as mm-hmm. well. Um, and I had a lot of experience in the Marine Corps that I could take from to help with them. I started as like the office manager. Then I got in the land survey and um, did some construction inspections and stuff like that. But it was like all that stuff I had loved and built. And now I'm like standing behind a tripod on the side of a highway, like in the cold, not moving. <laughs> I'm kind of a mover, you know? Yeah. And I was like, man, this is not what I want to do. And like, I wasn't even giving them the value I wanted to give them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, my brother's like, here's what you can do to get more money. And I was like, that's the thing. I don't even want to do that. And I don't want you to – I don't want to take away from you, you know, f- from some 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 value you can be getting for your company. And so, uh, yeah, that's when I got into the fitness world, which is just a whole other story. But, you know. Okay,
1: dude, <laughs> we're going to need to break that down. Yeah. Pull it back. <laughs> uncover the layers of the onion. For sure. That's why I want to dive into so the, I, the gym. Dude, I want to go back to when you were talking about how you made it to drill sergeant level at like 24. Was yeah. that what it was? And yep. then you had – you know, thirty-year-old mm-hmm. platoons and, yeah. and thirty-year-old sergeants, thirty-year-old yeah. sergeants, and you had ninety platoons. Yeah, ninety-man platoons. Yeah, that, that's just insane. Like, how do you lead? Like, what? How do you? So develop, by that point, I, had the, that point? I yeah. had the experience. I had the
0: experience. So you know, my first platoon, I did, I want to say, seven platoons. So over six hundred marines. Um, my first platoon, I had good drill instructors above mm-hmm. me to learn from. And I worked my, I just worked like a dog for them. I always, I was known as like the guy who ran everywhere because they would just send you out to do all these different things, like mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, you know? And I just, I'd run mm-hmm. every time they go tell me to do something, I go run and do it and run back. And like, that became known in the company. Like, mm-hmm. what? Certain D's always running. Like, why are my drill instructors not running? You know what I mean? So like, like physically, running? physically running to go do my <laughs> task and run back. Like yeah. it was always like time, 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 get it done, you know? Um, but so that's how I started as a new drill instructor. And then I just tried to learn how to be a, like a, a, an evil drill instructor, which took time mm-hmm. um, and what to say and what not to say and what to do. And, and then I moved up and I got into the teaching. And once I got mm-hmm. teaching, that's, that's like what I'm really good at. It's finding subject matter and a way to present it to someone. And I think that was because I never got taught in yeah. school. And I like, once I became a teacher, I realized how much I didn't get taught. I realized how much people weren't taking it as their responsibility that I wasn't learning. And so when I taught my recruits, I knew the ones that were like dumb. I don't want to say dumb. They just weren't. That was the wrong word to say. They weren't picking up this type of knowledge fast, but they have a million other attributes, I'm sure. So that was the message I told them. I'd be like, where's my guys at? I know you're hiding. You're going to come up and sit right next to me because we need all we all need to pass mm-hmm. to win honor platoon or to win the the prac cuz everything's a competition. Mm-hmm. So that's where, like that's how I roll. Like everything we got to beat everybody and everything at at all times.
1: So, <laughs> and remember. so I brought oh, up yeah. the
0: guys that I knew would quietly be hiding in the back that didn't know this stuff mm-hmm. and made them sit up front and feel comfortable and the platoon get that feeling of we're a team and we're going to we're going to make them understand mm-hmm. this and then we're going to win together. And so just building learning each new role and then getting good at it by the time I got to the top Um, I had all that experience to take from so I could handle, but uh, it is tough to deal with the three sergeants um, Mm -hmm. more than it was the recruits. Was there ever a point within your leadership that you felt
1: like, you know, you're questioning, you know, where you were in terms of like, am I supposed to be here? Like that imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. that a lot of people feel when they're like a young leader leading, like, older people or it's like, how am I here yeah. like when there are like other people who could possibly, possibly do a better job or did you just have sure. that confidence that you just worked your way into?
0: Well, the biggest obstacle I had was I carried myself and this is a huge issue in today's world, especially with business owners and with new generations coming up underneath them. Everyone blames the millennials and stuff. Um, I carried myself with that work ethic from all my bosses, right? It was like full tilt, everything you need. I'm here ready. What is the next task? Here, I'm going to get it done as fast as possible for you. When you don't have that under you, that's a big challenge. And I didn't learn it fast enough, uh, and it was an issue. Mm -hmm. They weren't performing like I expected them to perform, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have the leadership skills to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So there was frustration, anger, and resentment. There was problems. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But uh, these are certain things I don't share just because – it's, it's, it's like sacred, you know what I mean? I don't want to put that energy on that person you know, in yeah. a sense. So there was some issues with like job performance and I didn't have the leadership skills to fix it. I come from do it or I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And that's not leadership. Yeah. It is and it isn't, right? So for me, that's been my hardest, um, the hardest area for me to grow in as a leader is I'm very good at like someone who's easy to correct, but someone who's not easy to correct, mm-hmm. I'm not good at all. And I'll just go into doing it myself. And that's a leadership flaw, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I was at that point, I had a huge leadership flaw uh, with those guys because they just weren't the team I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and it was bad, you know? It was bad. It wasn't normal. It was, like, bad. And I was, like, they kind of got – I kind of got set up for, for failure there, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit. But um, we got through it and all, and the recruits are the most important thing. But so – point being yeah. i had experience i did well but i had a lot of i wouldn't say insecurities yeah. confusion yeah. and a lack of leadership skill on how to handle that
2: going a little further back um you said when you i guess got kicked well mutually agreed to there's leave, no kick mutually yeah, agreed mutually to <laughs> leave school agreed, uh you said something along the lines of you had thoughts like i'm not good enough yeah um like how long did it take for you to overcome that if you ever did
0: yeah no i'm not so Mm -hmm. honestly, and I can't do the tell-all just yet. There's a lot to my story that Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to share yet. And I'm trying to get to a place where I can do that. Maybe I come on for the next podcast to do that, (laughs) you know, because I'd actually feel really comfortable talking to you guys. Um, I have, I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? Like it's the chip on my shoulder and there's stuff that happened very recently that kind of made it worse, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm on the other side of that trying to cope with that. And I'm in a good, I'm getting really close to a good place. But it's been my whole life. And, uh, you know, I did talk to a therapist, which is funny. My mom was like, what? And um, he was the first one who said something like, you're not, you don't, you have this like messaging that you're not wanted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, for me, it's anger. It's resentment of the straight and narrow path. People who made it the straight and narrow path and who are accepted into high societies and golf. You know what I mean? Like, it's really crazy, but it drives me. It's not personal on these people. It's just that feeling of I don't belong there and I, don't, I never did and they don't accept me. Yeah. And so I, I work hard to, to prove them wrong, whoever they are. And it's that message <laughs> in my head, mm-hmm. you know, that, that feeds that evil monster, but there's good in it, but there's also a lot of bad in it.
2: Yeah, that's, it's funny. I had this exact same mm-hmm. experience. One of my uh, friend's moms is a, is a psychologist. Yeah. And um, like randomly one day she was just like, Josh, what's a thought that you have all the time in your head? And it was um, like whenever I accomplish something, I always say to myself, quote unquote, damn, bro, that's all you did. And then she's like, do you know what that really means? And I was like, no. And she's like, you're saying that you're not good enough. Yeah. She said that um, that thought isn't your own thought. And someone put that in your own head. So you need to go back and figure out where that came from. Which is And whenever you say that, be like, oh, wait, like, that's their, that's their problem. Like mm-hmm. they're projecting that on me. Yeah.
0: But like, yeah. The- Projection is, is such, it's so frustrating. It's such a big thing. And like the inner child, you know, going back to your inner child and what was said to, to young Josh that caused that, yeah. you know, what happened to you that, that caused that. And, uh, you know, I always joke, I'm like, go easy on, on little <laughs> Josh, <laughs> 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 like tell yourself, you know, like, I'm like, go easy on little Antonio, man. <laughs> like I'm so hard on myself mm-hmm. and it's, it's so unhealthy and it's 24 seven. It's hmm. like, a, a, I call it a locomotive in my head. I go full tilt, it's, it's, I, gotta, I can't slow it down, mm-hmm. but the messaging is so unfair and it's unreasonable. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to take time. Yeah. But the fact that you're, how old are you? I'm 21. 21. <laughs> how old are you, Jesse? <laughs> 24, dude. Jeez, I didn't know you guys were that young. <laughs> Damn, well, that's awesome. I mean, you're leveled up for your age. That's great. So yeah, I mean, you're already, on, you're already doing that deep work at 21. I'm just starting at 40. Yeah. Just think about how far ahead you are. So
1: so I'm looking at like, you guys are talking about how stuff as a child has traumatized us Mm -hmm. and impacted who we've become this day. I wanted to know, like, was there anything from being in the Marines that has traumatized you or built you up to who you are today or like things that you're trying to work backwards in that you can, once you resolve some of those things, then it's good to then move forward with like. Is there any
0: backpedaling when it comes to undoing any possible trauma from the Marine? Sure. So, I mean, that's basically the next chapter of my life. Oh, okay. I have trauma I have never handled and yeah. or shared, you know? That's and okay. so it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like I was talking to Kelly, my wife, I, we just recently linked up with a, a veterans group, 23rd Veteran, and I uh, just had a call with them yesterday. <laughs> for their headquarters out in Minnesota, and they deal with vets who've been through trauma, whether combat related or any other type of trauma. And um, they try to create a 14-week program to take these vets and to work with them. Uh, it starts with like an outdoor event for six, six days, and then they bring them back and they're working towards getting them to become normal in society uh, with dealing with the traumas they faced. And so for me in the Marine Corps, a lot of it was fear-based mm-hmm. and a lot of it was self-doubt. Because I wasn't an infantryman. I didn't join in the infantry. My dad picked my job. And that's a big, like, thing. Because, like, I'm like aren't we all? I thought we were, like, all infantrymen. But you're not. And so, like, there's a stigma in there. Like, they're the real Marines. In my head. Mm-hmm. It's constant. You know what I mean? And then I did all these things. But I always have this constant message, too. That, like, yeah, but you're not an infantryman. You know what I mean? You weren't, like, a... <laughs> oh. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. it's, like, what, when I work with infantry guys, they didn't have that don't, on don't me at all. That, no, they were... Yeah. Well, Knuckleheads did, who didn't work with me, but guys that were higher up and worked with me, they were like, nah. And they were, like, I was like, I feel like I need to switch. And they were like, no, you don't. They're like, the Marine Corps actually needs you because we already have the infantry. The rest of the Marine Corps needs to level up and get hardcore. And so mm-hmm. I don't think I ever fully accepted that as a, re- as a truth, but I, but it, I still push because of what they said. Um, and then facing my fears is the number one way to level up for anyone, I feel. Mm-hmm. Like you have to face your fears in 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 whatever you're doing in the world it doesn't necessarily mean like go if you're scared of spiders or something but like (laughs) if you know public speaking things that are holding you back from becoming your true self and um i did really good after those first three Mm. years of doing that in the marine corps and jumping into jumping off the cliff and jumping uh, there was one time they're like are you ready to do take this billet and i in my head was like oh no hell no but i said yep the words out of my mouth were yes because it was like you take it and you figure it out and so I just kept doing that and I, I received huge confidence over time, but there was a lot of hurdles in the way. Um, and it took a long time for me to get those wins and I had to overcome a lot of little interesting stories and, but so much self doubt. Uh, and to finally get to a point where like you prove to yourself that you belong in the Marine Corps and you're, Mm -hmm. you're operating at a high level and you're, you're achieving success and you're doing it in a hardcore fashion. It took a while but when i got there it felt like i was on the top of a mountain and then what happened when i got out my my blade has gotten duller so when people look at me now and especially if you know what i've done with this gym i'm knocking it out of the park in a sense with with accomplishments not that's i'm not gonna be arrogant i mean like taking on challenges and, and pulling them off things that i'm still uncomfortable for mm-hmm. me but i've lost that little bit of of sharpness I had and confidence that I used to have in the Marine Corps. And so, the next chapter of my life is slowing down, looking into that past trauma, dealing with that, Mm -hmm. and then starting to take on really, I think, to be honest with you, physical feats to Mm -hmm. feel that confidence again, you know, and to deal with some of my fears that uh, I'm going through now. So,
2: Do you know what a 4 by 4 by 48 is? No, I don't. Oh, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So, I've been looking for physical feats as well, and we're uh, just in... Oregon mm-hmm. uh shadowing this one guy Trevor um yeah. and he's telling me about 4 by 4 by 48 as a David Goggins thing okay so for 48 hours you run four miles every four hours for 48 hours oh my for god yeah dude, we, we should do it <laughs> yeah that'd be a cool physical feat <laughs> I mean a lot
0: of people in the gym would want to
1: do it for yeah. sure yeah dude there's some crazy that, would, people be a, that would be a sick event yeah that'd be a really we could all sleep there over. would definitely be some people in, in, interested in <laughs> for that two days straight yeah over the weekend <laughs>
2: Yeah, sorry, but I've been like, no, that's cool. I've been really obsessed. Like, well, not obsessed, but like, I really want to do that. Just yeah. Because I need a physical thing to like yeah.
0: conquer. And, and that's the message. Like, especially in your 20s, yeah. you got to go after it. You know what I mean? Like, go after experience. Go at even bad experience, as bad as that sounds. Like, I took so much from mm-hmm. those bad experiences because it, it shaped me into what I am today. Some of the wins I've gotten, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. when, it, when it's dealing with teammates and team members and taking care of people underneath me, you know, sometimes too much, which is another weakness, you know. So it's like learning that as well. But I, the point being, like, when you're in your 20s, just go after it. You know, I believe you go after it in your 30s too, but mm-hmm. definitely in your 20s, like, try to experience mm-hmm. as much as you can because um, it's going to pay off big you know, and the more you hustle, the more you're going to achieve in your life, you know, finding that balance. But yeah. You said like the dullness in, in your knife or your blade, it yes. just like became
1: more apparent over time. Do you think that's like you were looking in a one-dimensional sense and mm-hmm. there were other blades that were being sharpened? Oh, in absolutely.
0: Yeah. And that's totally hundred percent true. Yeah. Like I'm the best man yeah, I think I'm the be- best man I've ever been yeah. right now. So you're hundred percent right. But some things have happened as I've gotten older, anxieties and, yeah. and nervousness has creeped back in mm-hmm. and it's it's just like accelerating. So like I need to slow down because like running a business is like gas on a fire yeah. to someone like me. And I had to do what I had to do, we had to get through COVID, I had to do the startup hustle. Like I know I started in a basement with a one ad mat and a kettlebell moved to a garage, one-car garage, moved to another one-car garage, moved to a track where people wouldn't show up with $5. <laughs> $5. I'm like, well, I'm only asking five bucks. So they wouldn't <laughs> have it. And then I moved to a storage unit. I ran the gym out of a storage unit, like where, you know, uh, there was like a band in a storage unit. And I'm like, if you can put a band in a storage unit, I, I can put a little studio. And so I trained there. Um, but the point being, like, to take a business for eight to 10 years from that and not really have, have some experience but not have the financial experience or you know business experience and to learn on the fly and to do it the way i did it it took it it kind of rattled my nerves to a degree and i've been like in fight or flight mode ever since which means i'm revved up Mm -hmm. you know and so like eventually that takes its toll and i think that's where i'm at now where that young crazy wild man who, who got us here now some of that, like, effects of that is, is hitting me now. So I need to totally do what you guys are both talking about, which is I'm at to enter a new chapter literally next week of slowing down, looking at things, and, and, and starting to do some, some healing, you know, essentially. So I can be mm-hmm. the best version that I need to be and carry on and what people think of me, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like I can really relate. Like, we're... I'm only a couple months apart from exactly what you're describing in terms of being like the super crazy wild man that's not yeah. tracking any of his messages. Just go, go, yeah. go, go. And then Shooting like from ble- the hip. Then you're just bleeding money through the bucket. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, there's too many You make more, right? make, make more, right? Just go make more. fill it up. And it's like, now the hole's getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then my wife came into the picture and she like, That's an entrepreneur. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, get a CFO. <laughs> right, yeah. And then now you're actually tracking your numbers and you actually know, yeah. you know. Get some go- sleep at night. Get some sleep at night and know Okay, if you're spending this money, is it actually an investment? Because every entrepreneur is always saying this is an investment. Yeah, yeah, It's like, well, there's some like uh, dopamine investment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Like that's the return you get some dopamine, and like maybe you got, you know, you got a lot of shiny object syndrome. You're chasing all these different yeah. opportunities, and now actually that plagued you. That's like sure the opposite of an investment. Absolutely. Now. So it's and like, kind of,
0: I think you have to drive yourself with extreme confidence. Mm-hmm. So you maybe don't admit that you see the value of what you did chasing those shiny yeah. balls. But it wasn't the most, uh, it wasn't the best thing for you. Yeah. But you did pull it off. And so it takes a while to to get that, get out of that mindset, you know? (laughs) I'm like overly optimistic.
1: Oh, yeah. Same here.
0: Which is such a a need in the world though. Yes. You know? (laughs) Because you are the energy, you're the beacon. Yes. And that's going to attract good things. It might, there's going to be hard times, but I feel like that's an awesome energy and something I'm always drawn towards and other people are drawn towards, you know? Yeah, there's too many pessimistic people out in this world. And yeah. it's, it's okay. Like
1: you can have it both in moderation, for sure. And they're all good and everything, right? You like, need numbers,
0: but you also need hope and faith. You know? Do you think once you stabilize
1: and get a lot of um control mm-hmm. on your numbers or in terms of your business plan and where you're going that you can go back to being like this visionary this wild man oh yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah and like I said I'm I'm, I'm pretty close like it's I think it's yeah. the the number one thing is admitting something right yeah so I'm admitting it now and I've done a lot of thinking on it I've, I know what's going on I've I can feel it and see it I don't share it all with everyone mm-hmm. but I know what's going on and I know what needs to happen to uh to get some sleep at night because I don't get that right now. Oh, but, um, wow. but yeah, no, like we are at, we're the furthest we've ever been. We're closer than we've ever been, right? And so that's always a good thing yeah. as, as in a business. And so even if it, there's still some details that need to be dialed in, but we're, we're, we're for the first time ever, really going over our numbers yeah. really in detail. And it's been a process because part of that takes away from your optimism and maybe that's like your core energy. So like yeah. that's difficult but you know, that's the work required to level up. And so like, I don't have those like bombastic moments of like awesome achievement and confidence. I'm having this more like slow, steady, Yeah, you're doing what's necessary to protect this business in the future for in any kind of corporate structure or anything that could come at you. And uh, you're, you're making it bulletproof and you're making it so that team members will be, they've always been attracted to come here, but now we're trying, and we've always tried to create careers for them. But now like with these numbers and with safety and with, future financial planning, which is not my MO, right? Mine future financial planning is, I'm just gonna go make more money and it'll work itself out. And it has, (laughs) 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 the business has grown every year, you know, but what got you there isn't gonna get you there. And so I don't care about money as much. I care about family and my health around my children. Mm -hmm. And that's been a negative. Mm -hmm. I'm with them, but I'm not present. I can be, you know, so I'm working on that, but like that's 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 wealth to me. Um, and of course I want to create financial stability. There's always, I'm kind of proud of some number. I I just heard a number we made, you know, and I'm pretty proud of it thinking of where I started and where we've gotten to, like, again, little Antonio, like, all right, you know what? You're almost proving them wrong, you know, like, (laughs) and it's nobody it's just in my head, but it's going to be there for a while, you know? And that's not, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just like so, yeah. boring and predictable. Yeah. You know,
1: you, that's how you build a real business. Right. Boring, and predictable. But then, but then once, you're like, oh. once you build that stability, then you can go back to being excited. Sure. Exciting Maybe create in. something else. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have predictability still, but now you're like on a different trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're saying about like, you know, there's certain things that keep you up at night. Like mm-hmm. what are some of these things that keep you up at night over the last couple of years?
0: Yeah. So it's just my, I have a, it's just my mind. My mind is like, um, it's just wired to be Mm -hmm. high it's i think it's called fight or flight mode and that's what i'm about to start like looking into uh researching and the veterans group actually they had a whole playbook and stuff and i was reading it i only briefly read it it, and i was like oh i gotta read this for sure because it was explaining some things and so i don't know i don't know if i tweaked it right before i went into the marine corps and just because of my uh chemical wiring it just tweaked me a little bit to where i was just fully in flight or flight mode ever since Mm -hmm. um I don't remember. I had some out of body experiences in my sleep when I was young, like some crazy stories. So, like, I have this weird thing that happens to me that always makes me like not comfortable about falling asleep because um, I'm sleep paralysis. Yeah, I have sleep paralysis. Okay. Yeah, so I'm scared to go to sleep. Wow. So I don't know if that is a is a contributor because of my experiences. My body is like, uh, it. Well, I love sleep. I just have trouble getting it. And then, um, oh. and then when the Marine Corps hit again gasoline on a fire. So now nervousness and like getting everything done the night before and like, you know, always being, not making mistakes in that high pressure environment and like being personally attacked when you mess up, you know, just wired me like crazy. And then I jumped into small business, which is like, (laughs) and in this industry, it's so personal Mm -hmm. so that I feel like this like constant pressure that like people are judging me and like everything I say and don't say and everything I do and don't do. Mm-hmm. And because of social media, it's just really hard. And we didn't set any boundaries because we grew person to person. You know, I used to coach all the classes, uh, did all the programming, knew the babies that were being born, you know, who's who, where they're hurt, what are their pains in life, you know, and just that's the reason why we were successful because we built a family culture, mm-hmm. but it took a lot of emotional effort and energy. And then, um, not putting boundaries up. So it's seven days a week. You're getting texts. You're getting DMs. You're getting uh, complaints. You're getting yeah. emails. You never turn off. You never shut off. And so that, that's been a big component. So when I go to bed, it's very difficult for me to shut off that noise. And so that's, that's why I don't sleep at night. But I'm working on that yeah.
1: too. Wait, can you like speak of a sleep paralysis like story or experience? Because I, it's different for everybody. Like, what's yeah. the
0: worst case of sleep paralysis that you've dealt with? Um. The most crazy it ever got was in California, because it's really based on your sleep cycles too. And so like I was being a DJ, I was up late at night, so sleep cycles were all over the place. And um, it got to a point over time where I learned how to, I think they call it lucid dreams. Yeah. I learned how to fly
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? in my dream. And no. I don't know how to explain
0: this because I haven't had it recently. I haven't been able to tap yeah. into this. I got to a point in my dreams where I learned how to control the dream because it was Whoa. so bad you just get to a point where like, this is terrible, you might as well try to do something about it, like in the middle of your dream. So the time passes almost like real time. You know, The the paralysis side is terrifying. So lucid dreams, that's the lucid dreams, but the paralysis is when you wake up, uh, and I don't know the science of it, Um, we've gone over it before and I forget it, but like you can't move, but you're aware of it. And time passes like regular time passes. So it feels like you're paralyzed in your bed for like an hour and you do everything in your power to try to move Whoa. so that you can come out of it. That's just, st- that's phase one. Phase two of sleep paralysis for some reason is evil comes into the room while you're paralyzed. So you, you can't move and you have this overwhelming sense of dread of something coming to kill you, but it's more of a darkness that's like terror. It's the most scared you can be, period. Insane. And it's like right behind you and you can't turn over to look at it or react. And so I have weird triggers, like a door being open. I can't, I do now. And like getting married, I'm like, I could never, I can never sleep with my wife. I can't sleep by myself, you know? And like having children come in in the middle of the night, you know, like (laughs) I'm going to freak out. Like, so, and so I couldn't have doors open because for some reason I'd get paralyzed and I'd feel something at the door watching me, or I'd see something go through the hallway past my door or up the steps. And so, yeah. I mean, it gets pretty crazy. So the, all the instances are super scary and nuts. But one time after I'd learned how to get like in control of the dream and I learned how to fly, which then became fun because <laughs> there wasn't evil in that. It was just yeah. like in that part we're of it, Superman. but it was like weird. So that was cool. And then I was doing some listening to some crazy late night talk show where they had like, were talking about this. And that's how I even learned what it was. Mm-hmm. And it's really big in like native American culture. Like they really believe in it. And they have like, where it's, it's all over the world though. Um, And so I learned some of that, but then one time it got so crazy and I was living in like this house with other people and I was in the upstairs and there was a staircase that came up to my room, like Mm -hmm. to the side and something just came up that steps into the room and like pushed the whole wall towards me. It was like the most power, I was called like a juggernaut. Remember juggernaut from X-Men? It felt like a juggernaut power of pushing and I had researched, someone said, just say the Lord's name to, to stop it. And so I just like, I felt myself rise up and just say, Jesus, and it went away, and it <laughs> shut down. But the power of that moment was the weirdest thing I've ever felt. It was like, because you get vibrations. It's like being next to like a, um, yeah. a jet you know, engine or something. It's just like, whoa, 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 and you get this crazy stuff. So there were so many bad, That's weird nuts. experiences. Wow. Yeah. You start to think of you're possessed. Am I like, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But it worked. The name of Jesus worked. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. So...
1: What's been like your faith journey and like the progression in that where you always, I know like you grew up Catholic and then like when it has come to, when it came to like you going through high school and then going through the Marines and Mm -hmm. then living in California to go back to the East coast, like where has God been in this entire Yeah.
0: So to be real, which I think is important, you know, like always been there. My faith has always been strong. I call myself like a donkey. Like it's just like simple. And, and and strong yeah. Do you know what i mean like i'm solid in my faith <laughs> yeah. and it's like nothing challenges it nothing co- makes me question it um my execution of it is important in catholicism and especially in my family my mm-hmm. brother's a priest <laughs> mm-hmm. so i got lackadaisical in my execution of my of, of living my faith and my religion mm-hmm. and that is not cool for me that's not healthy for me um so over the years you get freedom right you're no longer at home with your parents mm-hmm. taking you to church you're out in the marine corps people are out drinking there's strip clubs everywhere and i didn't partake in that i was always good well drinking i did but uh mm-hmm. a <laughs> uh, big drinking family but um i didn't live the way i should have many times with my struggles and like with substances and mm-hmm. like but there was always that goodness of treating others how i wanted to be treated always in my life mm-hmm. you know and so that's kind of always my um driving force is to mm-hmm. treat others kindly and to treat others with respect. Um, hoping to get that in return and uh, also kind of being a protector, you know what I mean? Of other people mm-hmm. um, because as a young Catholic, when you go into those crazy environments where there is no religion and everyone's like cutthroat, it's confusing, you know what I mean? And like, you got to compete against that. And so finding your place in that is tricky. Um, so, but for me, faith has been the biggest part of my success because I trust in God to take care of me when I step into the unknown and I step into the fear and step into danger, you know, I'm like, and I study my faith too, uh, and see those examples in the past, like the martyrs and I'm not there, you know, I'm like, am I there where I let someone burn me alive? You know, like, yeah, that's heavy. You know what I mean? So for me, um, that's something I would like to get to a point where I'm like, I do believe I could do it in some instances, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I don't know if I would love to be drowned, you know, for my faith mm-hmm. or something crazy. Like some of the, <laughs> the saints and martyrs of, yeah. in, in Christianity have gone through and in other faiths, you know what I mean? So for me, that's kind of my story. It's just like my driving force. It, it, people think I'm, I've taken a lot of risk, you know, like when my wife left her job when we had three little children, so we lost mm-hmm. all our health care. we were struggling with the business. Like that's a bold move um it's a dangerous risky move but my faith is what allows me to do that you know what i mean it's awesome man. yeah i feel like the next uh, podcast yeah, i, I gotta learn need about you to, guys we need a follow-up we, <laughs> follow we just need a part two yeah we yeah. can definitely do a part two and just focus solely on business i mean the yeah. where we're at with the business chapter yeah, yeah, you know yeah
1: for sure but one of the last things i wanted to talk about is like reflecting on little antonio what would you looking back at who you were like 20 plus years ago mm-hmm. How would you have mentored little Antonio from where he was so that maybe he wouldn't have as many bumps and bruises along the way?
0: So I think this is that question. I think about it a lot. And it's like, it's such a question you don't touch. Almost to the point where I don't want to answer it because it's like, you don't touch it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it is what it had to be yeah. and what I have to achieve into my future required that. What if it was somebody else who yeah. was like- Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't little, let anyone else go through this. Yeah, who mm-hmm. was like little Anthony. So, yeah. So, number one, I would be like, don't waste your time with people you have nothing in common with, mm-hmm. especially when you're in your 20s. When you're younger than that, you're forced to, right? Mm-hmm. Do that quickly. <laughs> so, if, you don't, if they don't have something in common with you, if they're living in a way that doesn't align with your life and faith, get away from them. And do it in polite way as fast as you can because you're just wasting your life. So that's number one, influences. Control your influences and remove bad ones and get away from them because they will dictate your entire life, you know, especially if you're kind or, you know what I mean? So that's, that's mm-hmm. a huge one for people, I, I believe. Um, you know, definitely would have been to never do drugs, substances, you know what I mean? Like ever. <laughs> so for my children... The value of that is I can tell them and be a present dad and be like, this will destroy your life. I'm telling you this and, and, and showing them examples of how that is. And so, yeah, that would be a huge one. Mm-hmm. So substance, substance abuse or substance use and being around people who are involved in that, stay away from it, you know? Um, and this is all little Antonio, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what started to do the improper programming, you know, like uh besides veering the path of my life with decisions on which school to go to or you know outside of that but when it comes to like advice um I think that's super important does that kind of start the conversation with you yeah one hundred percent. is there anything else like because there's more but I'm kind of I got stuck there but like I have more I just got to like figure out like if it's different phases of life or in business or in growth as a man or we're gonna need a part two Dude, this is, we're just like scratching the surface. This is like
1: yeah. an iceberg.
0: Yeah. We only see, we only see the tip of it. And For then sure. With the Titanic, just like. Yeah, oh, but yeah. that's a good start. Cause I think there's yeah. people right now that have that in their life, whatever stage they're at. Um, and it's the same thing with relationships. So like, I'll just give one little blurb on relationships. So like, number one, cause there's people out there, no matter what age are in sometimes not the best relationship. They, you shouldn't be getting hurt in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You who have struggles and you will hurt each other, and, but you say, sorry, but you shouldn't be in a relationship that you're constantly, that's not true because you, you will hurt each other, but like where you're meant to feel less mm-hmm. uh, with someone who you love or they make you feel less, that's not okay. And, that you, and you can't always fix that right away. It might, could be a mom and dad or a sister or brother or a, a spouse or something, but like you have to address that. Mm-hmm. And then telling your, if you're gonna go in a relationship, like your partner is telling your partner exactly what you need. Mm. and listen to what they need because if you actually communicate it you'll save yourself years of not giving it to each other yeah where it's like it it can be physical you know especially with your wife like it can be something that's like kind of crazy but you're like this is what i need this will keep me happy and content and can move forward in health um and like that you know with your wife like sometimes i'm not clicked into what she needs she needs emotion and softness and stuff that i don't do And I'm not drawn towards or I'm like, Mm -hmm. don't even think like that, you know? And if she tells me that the way I operate, I can make it like a checklist, like go sit next (laughs) to her on the couch, (laughs) go ask her, you know, like a little, I mean, that's how I have to get it done. The love languages. For sure. I got to have to, I have to have a list because I'm not naturally inclined to do that. So that would be a tip for anyone, uh, you know, or young Antonio or, you know, Jesse or Josh is like, communicate your needs to your loved one. And um, maybe even to your friends, maybe to your business partners. I mean, I think it works on all ventures and think about the amount Mm -hmm. of time you're saving. And communication, you know, going into business, my biggest mistakes, my biggest mistakes in life were lack of communication, not telling what I needed or, or was going through and not asking someone what they needed and were going through. And then resentment builds mistrust and just. Uh, yeah. explosions
1: <laughs>
2: yeah Ticking
0: time bombs you know it
1: seems like a lot of people nowadays they go on the internet it's like how do i make passive income or how do i live like you know that four hour work week and yeah. people think that oh autopilot is good right and really like autopilot is good for like really small things that don't need your time and attention or investment and it's just like people mistake like oh putting everything on Automation. autopilot yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just like Sometimes? Yeah, being yeah. Um,
0: inconvenient is also a really good tool mm-hmm. or a, a good tip. Be inconvenient to your customers. Be inconvenient, you know, like to yourself. Like give them your time. Like there's, of course, scaling, like mm-hmm. we all know, and there's a negative to that, but it is a superpower, and it can really grow something that maybe doesn't – maybe you're in a field that doesn't have a lot of zest or life, mm-hmm. but you can find ways to be inconvenient to your customers or coworkers that can create that zest in, in life, and it's going to impress people and create legacy and future business i mean in the real estate world i would love to dive into that with you guys because i don't know anything about it but if i get some time to think i think there's some really clever ways to add new value to the real estate game for sure like your guys game is like wide open you know what i mean like there's and i don't know if you guys say you're in the real estate game or not or not but uh Mm -hmm. there's so much cool stuff you could do compared to what everyone else is doing and like, I already heard about what you guys are doing, which is awesome. So just like doubling down on those kind of things, and and like in other ventures and stuff, the real estate game is interesting because most of us as the customers don't trust it. Mm-hmm. So that's a one, that's a problem mm-hmm. that entrepreneurs can solve. Mm-hmm. There's mistrust, yeah, right. And yeah. maybe there's not, but that's my vibe, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Not of you guys, but like in the the whole realm of it. So you're like, oh, and it's the same thing with fitness. Like, what's the problem, and can I put a solution to it? Yeah, for sure. So So if people
1: were to reach out to you and get a hold of you, get connected, where could they find you? Can't. Don't reach out to me. I'm kidding.
0: (laughs) I got enough going on. No, I'm totally kidding. Instagram is the easiest. I love talking with people and chatting with people. I don't even care if you're 12 years old or 14. If you have an energy and like a passion, as long as you respect me and my time, you know, I'll try to help anyone out there. I love it. It's like what I'm called to do. Um, But the big thing is the respect thing, you know, because some people can be a little bit crazy. Uh, but yeah, Instagram, uh, I actually have two now. I have Black Ops Fitness, which is B-L-K-O-P-S Fitness. And then I have my own personal, which I just created, which is kind of like a chill, chill vibe right now. I'm not sure what I'm doing with it, but that's Antonio uh, Diascanis, um, on Instagram, Facebook. I don't really get on Facebook. You got your own podcast too. Yeah. I got my own podcast. I'm in a hiatus right now. Uh, but, uh, the Black Ops podcast is coming back. So, um, that's on Spotify and, uh, Yeah, you can hit me up on Instagram. Um, We have a website, but that's not the best ways. So DM's usually fine. But uh, yeah, if any of you want to chat, I'm open for it. Dude, this has been a sick episode. I can't wait for the part two. Yeah, man. I'm down part two for sure. Well,
1: this has been the conclusion of the the Black Ops edition of the (laughs) Not A Genius Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. I really hope you guys have received a lot of value and wisdom from Antonio. And if you guys want to hear you know, some more stories or have him elaborate on some of what he's already talked about on this podcast. Just comment below, leave some ratings, whatever you guys have for us. Like we would love your feedback as well. So this has been Jesse and Josh Antonio. Take care
0: guys. Peace.
1: Peace guys. Good episode.